This is Moonshine and Scoreboards with Kevin, Landon, and Justin. Hello and welcome to Moonshine and Scoreboards episode 14. I'm your host, Kevin, and I hope you guys had a fantastic Thanksgiving last week. Um, I would introduce you to my co-host, but there are no co-hosts today. It's it's just me carrying the fight. As on the on the weekly episode, I, I figured we couldn't couldn't skip an episode, so I got on here and said I'll I'll talk week fourteen, week thirteen, and you know preview all, uh, the championship weekend. So. Without further ado, I guess I'll just dive into it. We had some interesting games uh, this past weekend. Um, rivalry, rivalry week is what it's typically known as. Uh, I guess I'll start with the Tennessee game. They won uh, 48-24 against Vanderbilt. Um, led by Joe Milton. Uh, he threw for 383 yards and four touchdowns. Ran for two more. Uh, won the Senior Bowl Player of the re- Week, the Maxwell Player of the Week. He won a whole bunch of awards this week, and in his last start at Neyland Stadium, um, I thought that was very interesting. That in his last start, he decided to have probably the best start of his Tennessee career, and you know, I would say that given the quarterbacks that we've had here in the past, uh, Milton. Probably in the better top half of them. Uh, that being said, the hype that he had coming into this season uh, after last season, after the Orange Bowl, and and you know the the hype train building up, I I don't think that he lived up to that hype whatsoever. Um, kind of sucks uh, because you know we were anticipating. I know that I said the beginning of the year, you know, Heisman Milton. That was my Heisman pick. And and I stand by what I said also at the beginning of the year, that I do think that Joe Milton is going to be a hell of an NFL player. Um, you saw the arm on Saturday. He's He's got a cannon. Everybody knows that. I think if you put him in the right system, he's, he's going to flourish. I think there's some growing up to do mentally. Um, and some growing up to do at the position. But, I mean, he's he's a very gifted athlete, and he's going to go down as a, as a good Tennessee Vol, and I think he's going to go down as a good quarterback uh, in the NFL. His primary target was Ramel Keaton on Saturday. He had four receptions for 122 yards, and he caught two touchdowns in his last game at Neyland Stadium. Um, my nickname for Keaton is Stonehands Keaton, so it was nice of him to – to get a couple of catches on Saturday to, uh, you know, send the fans off one last time. Uh, let him know that he, he 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 could catch a couple of balls. I mean, he'll always go down as the as the guy that caught that diving catch last year against the floor, against Florida. Um, that'll always be, you know, his his primary play. Um, like I said, it was Senior Day. A lot of the seniors uh, participated um, in the Senior Day activities. Uh, a notable name that did not was Cooper Mace. He indicated that he'd be back next year for his super senior season. So uh, Cooper Mays, uh, preseason All-SEC offensive lineman, missed the first three, missed first four games of the season. 
when he came back, the running game really got going, um, and Tennessee's offense really woke up. So if Cooper Mays can be healthy next year, that's going to be a huge addition uh, to the offensive line because, like I said last week, you look at the offensive line, there's a lot of seniors on that offensive line. Um, and if Cooper Mays can come back and be a super senior next year, I think that'd be a big help for Tennessee. Just something to think about. Um, other players that are eligible to return next year, some of them I think they will. Some of them I think they won't. Tyler Barron, Warren Burrell, Gabe Julie Lally, Brew McCoy, Jabari Small, and Omar Thomas are the big ones. I don't think Tyler Barron's coming back. I mean, the guy loves UT. Uh, he could have got drafted last year, I think. Um, but he decided to come back for his senior season. He has a super senior season available, but he's had a fantastic year, and I think he's got a pretty good NFL career ahead of him. Uh, the, the big name for me that I think would come back would probably be Brew McCoy, given his injury this year. It wouldn't shock me one bit to see Brew come back next year for, for his super season, senior season. Um, and that could be beneficial to Nico. Um, I think that would be a, that'd be a big help for him. You're going to have to replace Ramel Keaton on, on the wide receiver front. Uh, I mean, you'll have squirrel, right? Coming back, squirrel white coming back. You'll have Dante Thornton coming back. Uh, if you could have Brew McCoy coming back, that'd be three receivers coming back with, with valuable playing experience. A big plus for Tennessee. Um, after the bowl, after the bowl game, you know we're going to dive into a full season review of the Vols this year. Uh, they finished the season eight and four. All signs indicate that they're going to be going to the Gator Bowl, where they'll where they'll allegedly be matching up with North Carolina or North Carolina State. Um, so we'll do like a full review of this season. Uh, I will say eight and four is not what we thought we were going to get, but. That's what we got. Um, there were other games this season or this weekend, though. Uh, we had the Iron Bowl. The Iron Bowl was this weekend. The game was this weekend. Uh, Florida State, Florida was this weekend. I want to dive into all three of those, but real quick, I do want to mention, uh, give a proper shout-out to one of my favorite players in college football, uh, Audric Estime. Uh, Notre Dame played Stanford this week uh, in their last game of the regular season. Uh, won pretty easily, but Estime had a career day. He ran for 238 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, but the big thing was that he was left off the Doak Walker Award semifinalist list, um, and and he quoted it. I don't think he quote tweeted it. I think he just tweeted bet after the semifinalists were announced. Um, Notre Dame Twitter kind of took that as an indication that he might be back next year. If Audric Estime comes back next year, I think he'll end up in New York at the Heisman ceremony. I think that it's a fantastic running back. He's the number two running back in the nation, according to Todd McShay um, and Mel Kuyper, as far as their draft boards. Um, and so I think if Audrey Gessme foregoes the NFL and comes back for his, uh, his last year at Notre Dame, that'd be huge for the Irish next year. Speaking of huge, we had a huge game. And Ann Arbor, Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines ended up winning 30-24 to uh, against Ohio State. All three of us, I believe, picked Ohio State last week. Um, myself, Lennon, and Justin. Uh, Sharon Moore, I mean, he, he coached a really good game. He coached a lot better than I thought he was going to, given the pressure. Um, pressure actually kind of fell on Kyle McCord, who threw a game-ending interception. 
Uh, Ohio State had the ball back with a chance to take the lead, and they, and they were driving, and he kind of just cracked under the pressure a little bit. Wasn't able to do what he did in South Bend, uh, um, in Ann Ar- in, in, in Arbor this past weekend. But here's the thing. I don't think that Ohio State's dead. I'm recording this on Tuesday, shortly after the college football playoff rankings came out. Ohio State fell down to number six. Um, ahead of them is Oregon, Washington, Florida State, Michigan, and Georgia. Okay? Let's say that Texas loses the Big 12 championship. That eliminates Texas. Let's say that Georgia beats Alabama. That eliminates Alabama. Okay? Let's say that Oregon... Oregon gets revenge for their loss against Washington and beats Washington. That knocks out Washington. Oregon's in, Georgia's in, Michigan's in because Iowa's not going to beat Michigan. The game that Ohio State will be watching will be Florida State and Louisville. If Florida State loses to Louisville, I don't see a world where Ohio State's not in. So Ohio State needs Florida State to lose to Louisville, and they need Texas to lose to Oklahoma State. Those two things happen, and everybody else wins. All the other favorites win. And it really doesn't even matter who wins the Oregon-Washington game. But if, if those two things happen, Ohio State would come in as the number four seed, I think. Uh, and, and I do think that Ohio State would deserve that. They've had a good season. They have a really good resume. Two, two top 25 wins went to South Bend and got a big win beat Penn State at home, and, and hung with Michigan um, on the road. So I, I do think that Ohio State still has a chance at the playoff. Alabama has a shooter's chance at the playoff. They're, I mean, they're going to need some help, but they almost really messed up before they even got there. Um, Alabama escapes the Iron Bowl 27-24. The win over Auburn. Jalen Milrow had a pretty average game up until the fourth quarter. <laughs> and specifically the last drive of the fourth quarter, he had a fourth down and goal from the 31-yard line. And Auburn all game had been pressuring Jalen Milrow, making him run, making him uncomfortable, doing a fantastic job of containing him. And for some reason, on fourth down and 31, Auburn only rushed Two guys, two or three guys. Let Milrow have all day in the pocket. No no worries whatsoever. No pressure whatsoever. And he just rips a perfectly placed dime to Isaiah Bond to just destroy all, all the Auburn fans' hearts. Um, America was pulling for Auburn, just like America was pulling for A&M, just like they were pulling for Ole Miss, just like they were pulling for Tennessee. Something about that Alabama team, they just don't lose again. <laughs> um, they just, after that Texas loss, you know, they just haven't lost again. Have they? Has it always been pretty? No, but they've always got the job done. Um, for me, that's not a team if I'm somebody that has a chance to go to the playoff. Uh, I don't want Alabama in the playoff. I would much rather have Georgia play than Alabama because Alabama and Saban just look like a team that just is – has that it factor and is just not going to lose. Um, Speaking of a team that hasn't lost, Florida State. They take care of Florida 24-15. Here's the thing with Florida State. 
is if they beat Louisville on Saturday and win the ACC, they'll be an undefeated ACC champion. And given the rankings this evening, uh, they were in at number, I believe, I believe number three. Given the rankings this evening, oh, sorry, they're number four. Given the rankings this evening, if Florida State wins, they're going to be in. I understand that, and I get, and I get, you know, they're not going to leave a a Power Five undefeated conference champion out. That being said, I'll go ahead and say it. I don't think that Florida State should be in. I think it the the product would truly suck if Florida State got in the playoff because they'll be the four seed. I don't think it really matters if Oregon or Washington win. Um, I think whoever wins that game will probably jump Florida State, and they'll be the four seed. And they'll match up probably against Georgia, and I think Georgia will probably beat them by like 35 to 42 points, give or take. It would just be a total beatdown. Whereas the alternative would be Washington, a one-loss Washington team. Maybe if Texas wins the Big 12. Texas, maybe if um, maybe a one-loss Ohio State team. You know, all I think all of those teams would give Georgia a better game than Florida State will. I know it's not going to happen, but I personally would like to see all those teams in over Florida State. But if Florida State wins, you know, they'll be in. So I'm cheering for you this weekend, Louisville. Please spare us of a Florida State-Georgia game because I don't want to see that. That, that. I don't want to see that. <laughs> um, I guess I can transition now into the college basketball. We talked a little bit about – actually, let me hit some head coach stuff. Mississippi State has a new head coach, Jeff Lebby. Uh, he was the Oklahoma offensive coordinator. I think this is a. I think this is a great hire for Mississippi State. Oklahoma was third in the nation in scoring offense. Um, had a great great year offensively. Just put up, I believe, sixty nine points last week. Great number to put up. Um, Jeff Lebby has experience in the SEC. He's been coaching in the SEC multiple times. Um, most recently at Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. Um, he's 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 a offensive mind. He's an offensive mind. Mississippi State's going to score points. I think that's a great hire, especially given who they are. You're not going to go out of your Mississippi State and get somebody like Mark Stoops, <laughs> um, or or somebody like Kalen DeBoer or Dan Lanning. You're not going to be able to back that money up, back that branch truck up. So, Jeff Lebby is a good coach, a good coach, and a good hire. Michigan State. Takes Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. Kind of didn't have an option there if you're Jonathan Jonathan Smith. Um, But the realignment, Oregon State was getting left in the dust. He's done a fantastic job at Oregon State, and now he's going to go to Michigan State um, and try to figure out what to do with that shit show of a program because they're down bad. Uh, And then the biggest news as far as coaching from the weekend... 
I'll paint the picture for you. Saturday night, I'm at home. I had gone up to Pigeon Forge uh, with my family. I came back, and I caught the end of the Survivor Series pay-per-view. Um, I'm watching as CM Punk is making his return to the WWE, just awestruck. And I can't really pay my full attention to it because the folks in College Station are burning the campus to the ground uh, because A&M has hired Mark Stoops as their head coach. Um, Stoops uh, was at Kentucky, did fantastic things at the University of Kentucky, and A&M went and got him. That's who they wanted. They got their guy. He left Kentucky to come to A&M. He was on a plane to College Station while the revolt was happening, a la Greg Schiano to Tennessee. Maybe not as big of a revolt. I mean, the fans weren't storming the the streets and leading protests and literally taking back the team, taking back the program. But there was some noise being made on the social media specifically. NM's board of directors, board of regents, and the athletic director Director took a look at it, said, you know what? Let's back this up. We're not going to do this. And as Mark Stoops' plane landed in College Station, they told the pilot, go ahead and take him back to Lexington because we're not doing this. Um, so Stoops had to return to Kentucky. Tail between his legs, let him know, hey, guys, I took the Texas A&M job. Uh, we had a verbal agreement on it, and then they backed out. Uh, the next day, Texas A&M hired Mike Elko as their head coach. I think Elko's a good coach. I mean, he was the head coach at Duke, so I think he's he's a good coach. He's done great things at Duke. I think that Mark Stoops would have been a better hire for Texas A&M, which call me crazy. That that's just my thoughts. I think with what he's done at Kentucky, given that that is a basketball school and that Texas A&M, I mean, like I said two weeks ago, they had a $150 million check donated at halftime of the game. I mean, you're going to have a fantastic NIL program. You're going to have fantastic amenities. You're going to have all this stuff that Mark Stoops did not have at Kentucky. And Mark Stoops, as much as I don't like the guy, as much as I don't like the program, he, he did really good at Kentucky. He's done really good at Kentucky. I don't know that the A&M fans should have, should have revolted the way that they did. I know that Mike Elko's their guy. He's an A&M guy. He's been there before. He's coming back home. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out, but I, I do think that Mark Stoops would have, would have been in a very interesting hire in College Station. With that, I want to go ahead and head into some college basketball. Maui Invitational was this past weekend. Feast Week was this past weekend. Tennessee uh, was there. They had their first game against Syracuse. They won that game, looked pretty good doing it, kind of pulled away there at the end. Dalton Connett had a good game. Uh, Santiago Vescovi had a good game. The team played well. team played well against Syracuse. Then they matched up against the number two team in the nation in Purdue. Uh, they lost that game. And then they lost against the number one team in the nation in Kansas. I had came on this podcast last week and said, 
you know, Tennessee could could beat Syracuse and then beat Purdue and then beat Kansas, that would be a very big weekend for Tennessee. Well, they played all three teams, and, and the results didn't happen the way that I thought they were going to. Here's my take on this, though. It's not all disappointment if you're a Tennessee fan after the Maui Invitational. And I'll tell you why. Because you played the number two team in the nation, which is now the number one team in the nation in Purdue. And you did that with Zakai Ziegler having an average to below average game. You did that with your sixth man coming off the bench and Tobey Awaka bowing out in four minutes with four minutes left in the game. You did that against a 7'4", 300-pound giant in Zach Eady that nobody in the nation has an answer for. I mean, our tallest guy is probably Jonas Adu or Jemai Meshack at like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, Nobody's got an answer for that. And you only lost by four. And you controlled the game. And you hung with them. And you showed, you know, hey, we're here. We're good. We have the senior leadership. We can score in more ways than one. We know how to hit our free, free throws. You didn't make any real bonehead mistakes. You had some questionable officiating calls. When you're playing against a guy that's 7-4, you're going to get some question, questionable officiating calls. It wasn't like... it wasn't. I, I, I watched that game on Tuesday night, and I, and I wasn't upset. I wasn't mad. I was like, okay, this showed me that this team belongs on this stage with these top programs in the nation, that they're not just, you know, going to get into March, get into SEC play, and just kind of wither away, that they're actually for real. They do it the next day against Kansas. Lost by nine. A little bit of a different scenario there. I mean, at that point, you kind of have don't have much to play for. Um, you're kind of just like, all right, well, this is the number one team in the nation, but they lost last night as well. So they're not going to be the number one team in the nation. So really, this win's not going to be against the number one team. It's going to be against Kansas. Santiago didn't really show up that well um, on Wednesday, and and Tennessee just Tennessee just lost. I mean, but you lose by four, and then you lose by nine against the number two at the time and number one at the time teams in college basketball. Nobody else is playing number two and number one back to back. I think that's very. Admirable. I think that's very impressive that you hung with both those two teams, and I and I think Tennessee is going to be just, just fine. With that, we're going to do pub dubs a little bit differently this evening. It is just me. It is championship week, and me and Justin were talking today, and I said, why don't we do the pub dubs as far as all the just make all the tra- championship games, conference championship games, all the pub dub games. He said that was a great idea. Only problem is there's only seven conference championship games this weekend. So he gathered three men's college basketball games for me. We have the ACC-SEC Challenge this week, and so he gathered... Three of those big games for me to go ahead and pick this weekend. So I'm going to start the pub dubs with those three games, okay? First up, number seven, Tennessee travels to number 14, North Carolina. Landon is going with Tennessee. Justin's going with Tennessee. And I'm going to tell you why I'm going with Tennessee as well. 
I think that Tennessee's lost two games in a row. I don't think that they're going to lose three games in a row very often this year. I don't think that they're going to lose three games ever in a row this year. And I think that Rick Barnes has known Hubert Brown, I believe that he said, for about 35 years. I don't think he wants to lose to him. Um, I don't think North Carolina is as good as everybody had them out to be once again this season. I will say that Armando Bacot is going to be a problem for Tennessee down low. But I'm not too, too concerned. I think Dalton Kinnett's going to get his points. Um, I think Santiago Vescovi is going to have a good game. And I think that Tennessee is going to take care of business pretty easily uh, against North Carolina. We've got Texas A&M, the number 12 team in the nation, traveling to Virginia, who's the number 24 team in the nation. Uh, Virginia on the matchup predictor has a 53% chance to win. By the way, North Carolina has a 56% chance to beat Tennessee, according to the matchup predictor. Justin's going with AM. Landon's going with AM. Testing their SEC bias there. I'm actually going to go with. I'm going to go with AM as well. I'm going to go with AM as well. Buzz Williams. And the AM Aggies, I think that they'll get that win. Also, um haven't really watched AM this year, but I I think that they'll that they'll get it done. And the last basketball game, we have number nine Duke traveling to number twenty Arkansas. My two gentlemen co hosts, Justin and Leonard, are both going with the Blue Devils, who have a fifty two percent chance to win. I'm also going with Duke. Duke Struggled over the weekend with, I believe, Northeast Illinois on Friday. Um, Was down five at halftime. Ended up winning the game, but struggled. I think that Duke is going to be one of those teams that kind of makes... Makes life a little bit more difficult on themselves than, than it has to be. I think Duke has a talent to just, like, steamroll most of their out-of-conference games, and I, and I think that they probably should. I also think that there's a scenario where they're winning these games by like five to five to ten points every week. And then when it comes to March, March Madness turns up, you know, Duke has that battle-tested aura about them. And maybe that'll Prove good to them. Uh, I, they definitely were not battle tested last year in March when, when uh, Tennessee bullied them and, and Euros Plotchvich bullied them for about thirty minutes. So we'll see what happens with the Duke Blue Devils this year. I guess let's talk about the Pub Dubs and let's talk about some college football conference championships. This is my one of my favorite weeks of the year. You know. The, the conference championship games, they start on Friday. Friday, Saturday, conference championship. Sunday, you have all the bowl games. Speaking of which, next week, it will be all three of us. It will not just be myself. All three of us will be on here. We will be doing our first annual Moonshine and Scoreboards Bowl Bonanza. And so, that'll be fun. <laughs> Um, we'll dive into that. We'll pick every single bowl game, every single bowl game. So if you want to, you can, you can pick it with us. I will create a bowl group on the ESPN 
website for us to do, you know, our bowl picks and put them on there and interact with you guys and see how you all pick compared to us and, and see who wins. Um, so that's coming next week. But this week we have conference championships to talk about. I guess we'll start in the Conference USA, where we have New Mexico State against Liberty. This game, I believe, is at Liberty. Um, number 25 ranked to Liberty. Uh, their coach, they are, they're undefeated. Jamie Chadwell, uh, who is from Jacksboro, Tennessee. Um, Jamie Chadwell led Liberty to a 12-0 season uh, with another Tennessee uh a person with other ties to Tennessee is that Kadon Salter, the former quarterback that was uh, booted from the program. Under Jeremy Pruitt, he will be the quarterback for Louisville or for Liberty. He's been the quarterback all year. He uh, he's just been great. I mean, I remember earlier in the season he had some Heisman hope, um, and that was fun as we were watching Joe Milton struggle to see. Kadon Salter going up the Heisman leaderboards. Liberty has not had, has only had one game within 10 points all season. They've kind of dominated everybody they've played, including New Mexico State in week two, who they beat 33-17. That should tell you who I'm going with this in this conference USA title game. Liberty being favored by 10.5, I think that they cover that number pretty easily. I'm going with the Flames, Landon's going with the Flames, and Justin is also going with the Flames of Liberty. 12-0, looking to be 13-0, looking to try to get into a New Year's 6 game. Will kind of depend on what happens with Tulane and SMU on Saturday. But we have one more game Friday night before we get to Saturday, and that's the big one. That's one of the, I would say, one of the three big ones this weekend. Pac-12 championship in Las Vegas. Number, I believe right now they're number five, Oregon, against number three, Washington. Now, Washington is a nine-point underdog, despite beating Oregon earlier in the season. I want to park it here for a minute because I want to talk about this game. This is going to be an interesting game. Like I said, Washington won. This team's already played. This team's already played. Washington took care of business. College game day was there. Everybody was there. Washington won at home. It was loud. It was rainy. It was a great environment in Seattle. Bo Nix and Michael Penix went 1v1, battling it out. And the Huskies prevailed. Here's the thing, though. Two things about this. One, this game's not in Seattle. This game's in Las Vegas, a very neutral site field. Oregon fans travel travel really well. I think there's going to be a lot of Oregon fans there. Number two, since that Oregon-Washington game, these two teams have been on totally different trajectories. Oregon has gone on to throttle everybody they've played. Everybody. I believe they've had one game that was within 10 points. However, Washington has struggled against Arizona State, USC, Utah, Oregon State, and Washington State as all of those games were decided by 10 points or fewer. 
I said this a couple weeks ago. I said I think if Oregon and Washington play again, I think Oregon's going to really, you know, handle them, take care of them. I think there's a little bit more than just a trip to the a trip to the college football playoff thing into the balance here. I think, but the Heisman is Bo Nix's to lose. Even though I do believe that it kind of should be Jaden Daniels that wins it. Um, he he's put up better numbers than Joe Burrow did when he won the Heisman. But LSU has four losses, so there's that. Bo Nix is the favorite right now. Michael Penix is at plus fifteen hundred according to the book that you're looking at. I think if Michael Penix has a fantastic game, he could elevate himself to winning the Heisman. I think if Bo Nix holds serve and doesn't just have a complete meltdown, it's his to lose. Let's see what the boys say. Landon's going with the Ducks. He thinks Oregon's going to take care of business. Justin is going to pick the Huskies of Washington and make that his double dog. So I got one pick, one pick for Oregon, one pick for Washington. The first time that we've been different on all the picks so far, and I think I'm going to side with Landon. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay true to my word. I'm gonna pick Oregon. Uh, I think that Bo Nix is gonna is gonna have a good game. He's gonna you know cement his Heisman campaign. He, the bodacious billboards that went up at the beginning of the year in Times Square they're gonna be worth it. Uh, I can't wait to see the photo ops of him with the bodacious billboards in Times Square um, because that'll be something. But, yeah, Oregon, I think Oregon is going to take care of business. Do I think that they cover the nine points? Probably not. I think it'll be a close game, but I think Oregon gets it done. And with that win, we'll then have revenge on their only loss, and I think you're going to be kind of hard-pressed to not put them in the college football playoff if that's the case. Moving on to Saturday, Big 12 championship game presented by Dr. Pepper. We'll feature the number 20 Oklahoma State Cowboys against the number 7 Texas Longhorns. Now, I'll tell you straight up, Landon and Justin are both going with Texas. Quinn Ewers is there. Uh, Xavier Worthy's there. Adonai Mitchell's there. They're playing really well. Texas is favored by two scores, two touchdowns against Oklahoma State. Yikes. I haven't played Mike Gundy this year. Mike Gundy hasn't been to very many conference championship games as Texas at Oklahoma State. Here's the thing. Texas is looking to pull a, another CM Punk reference. Texas is looking to pull a CM Punk reference from Money in the Bank and, and leave, leave the company with the belt. They're looking to leave, leave the Big 12 with the Big 12 championship as they go to the SEC next year. Oklahoma State, they needed two overtimes to get by BYU last week just to get in this game. However, Oklahoma State has something that Texas does not, and that is Ollie Gordon III. It's the best running back in, in the Big 12. Might be the best running back in college football. He's going to give Texas's defense all that they want on Saturday. But 
The Cowboys quarterback, Alex Bowman, also has 11 interceptions to 12 touchdowns. So he's made some mistakes. I think that Texas is going to take care of business, win the Big 12 championship, leave the company with the belt, rush off into the crowds and come to the SEC next year with that Big 12 strap around their shoulder. That being said, right now, in my scenario, I have a one-loss Oregon Pac-12 champion that has avenged their one loss. I have a one-loss Texas Big 12 champion. Let's see what else I've got. Just keep that in mind. The SEC Championship, I believe that's presented by Chick-fil-A. Not 100% sure, though. That's going to feature the same matchup that we've come to know and love for the past God knows how many years. The number one Georgia Bulldogs against the number eight Alabama Crimson Tide. Both teams struggled last week. Georgia barely escaped Georgia Tech. Like I said already, Alabama barely escaped Auburn. Fun fact, next year these teams won't be playing. will be playing before the SEC Championship game where they match up during the regular season. That'll be fun. I'm intrigued to see what happens in this game. Because Georgia's rolling. Georgia looks good. Georgia looks like they're death machine mode where they're just going to dominate whoever they play against. However, Alabama just seems like that team of destiny that just won't lose even though they've come very, very close numerous times. I think Nick Saban knows that the only way that he has outstands at getting into the college football playoff is winning this game. Georgia hasn't lost in three years. SEC record 29th straight win on Saturday. I think Saban wants to be that first loss. And Saban typically gets what he wants. That being said, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, Landon's going with Georgia. Justin's going with Georgia. Landon wanted me to say that he's going with Georgia, but he's going to be cheering for Alabama because he does not want any SEC teams in the college football playoff because he believes that if Alabama wins that they'll get in or that if Georgia wins that they'll get in. No, he believes that if Alabama wins they will not get in. Okay, that's what he believes. I believe that... I want to say that Alabama's going to win this game. And part of me really does think that they are. I would not be shocked to see the Crimson Tide win. That being said, I think... Until somebody beats Georgia, you just got to pick Georgia. You know, They're that team that until somebody beats you... You gotta go. You gotta. You gotta go with them. And so I'm going with the Bulldogs to win another SEC championship. Shocker, I know, but I'm gonna be rolling with Georgia. Sorry, I had to. 
get my notes in order there. Next up on the on the docket, we have the American Athletic Conference title game, which is going to be the Tulane Green Wave, number twenty three ranked Tulane Green Green Wave, against the SMU Mustangs. I will tell you who will be watching this game very closely. That'll be the Liberty Flames because if Liberty wins and Tulane loses, Liberty is going to a New Year's Six Bowl. If Liberty wins and Tulane wins, or Tulane's going to a New Year's Six Bowl. Tulane has one loss. Their one loss was to Ole Miss without their quarterback, Michael Pratt. With a win, like I said, they're in the New Year's Six. However, SMU only has two losses. And those two losses are against teams out of the out of conference, hard games that they've scheduled against Oklahoma and TCU. And while Tulane has a very good quarterback in Michael Pratt, somebody that Justin really liked earlier on in the season, SMU features a quarterback in Preston Stone that's thrown for over 3,000 yards. This is my best bet of the week. The over. The over is set at 48.5. I think this over is easy money with two offenses that like to score. Two quarterbacks that can sling it. I'm I'm taking the over all day long. Landon's taking Tulane. Justin's taking Tulane. And I'm taking SMU. That's going to be my, not my double dog, but that's going to be my my upset pick there. I'm taking SMU because I want to see Jamie Chadwell cushion in the New Year's Six Bowl. So I'm taking SMU. Next up, we've got the Big Ten Championship. That's going to be at a neutral site field in Indiana, Indianapolis, sorry, which is in Indiana. That'll feature the number two ranked Michigan Wolverines against the number 16 ranked ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm going to tell you guys right now, I'm not going to spend very long on this game because this game is going to be a blowout. I don't think that there's a chance on this earth that Iowa beats Michigan. However, it would be very funny if Iowa did beat Michigan. But it's not going to happen. Michigan's a 23-point favorite. In a conference championship game, Michigan is a 23-point favorite. Now, I want you to sit back and say, wow, that's a, that's a big spread. That is a huge spread. And that is why I believe that going away with divisions is the best thing, is the, is the best idea. Because the Big Ten is a very just lopsided conference where all of the good teams, all three of the good teams, are in, I believe, the Big Ten East, which is Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Whoever comes from the Big Ten West knows that they're going to get their brains beat in in the Big Ten Championship game. How funny would it be if I'm saying this and I come out here next week and Iowa upsets Michigan? That'd be hilarious. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Jim Harbaugh is going to be back on the sidelines. Had his press conference the other day. He said, I would say it's nice to be back, but I never left. Of course you didn't. Um, Everybody's taking Michigan. Me, Landon, and Justin. All going with the Wolverines. Iowa... Iowa can't score. The over <laughs> the first half, not the first quarter, the first half team total 
over for Iowa, half a point. That means that Iowa just has to score one point to hit their team total over in the first half. That means that Vegas doesn't think that Iowa is going to score at all in the first half of the football game. Fun times on Saturday night. I'm not going to be watching that game, though. I'm going to be watching the ACC championship game in Charlotte, North Carolina, where the Louisville Cardinals, who just got beat by the Kentucky Wildcats, whose coach was allegedly going to A&M at halftime of the game, will be facing off against the Florida State Seminoles, who escaped the swamp on Saturday with backup Tate Rodemaker playing in his first game, starting in his first game for Florida State. Their first game without Jordan Travis. Florida's, by the way, Florida is not going to bowl game with that loss. They're not bowl eligible. Just throwing that out there. As a Tennessee fan, it's nice to see that. We're going to a bowl game and Florida's not. And then I remember that Florida beat us, and, and that, that hurts. Um, Florida State is a two and a half point favorite. I think that two and a half points is is a scary line there if you're the Seminoles. Um, I don't know, man. Louisville, Louisville coming off of a loss. Jack Plummer there. If Jack Harlow's in attendance, then of course you got to go with Louisville. Uh, Landon is going with Louisville to win the game. Justin is is going with Florida State. Of course he is because that's his second favorite team this season. I'm going with Louisville. So, with that being said, oh, and by the way, that's my double dog. Louisville is my double dog this week. With that being said, I have my conference champions as Liberty Oregon, Texas, Georgia, SMU, Michigan, Louisville. What's your playoff then, Kevin? My playoff would be Georgia at the one seed, Michigan at the two seed, Oregon at the three seed. And then you have the discussion, because there's only two teams left, really, Texas and Ohio State. Texas would have the Big Ten Championship. Ohio State would have the better loss. Sorry, not Big Ten. Big 12 Championship. Ohio State would have the better loss. That's going to be a decide. That's going to... Texas would have the better win. They went to Tuscaloosa and won. Ohio State went, went to South Bend and won. Ohio State lost by six. Texas lost on a last-second score by Oklahoma, but Oklahoma is ranked a lot lower than Michigan is. I think that if that was the scenario, I think that the committee would probably take Texas over Ohio State, which do I think that that's the right move? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think you got to make these conference championships mean something. And I think that if you have a team win the conference championship, even if they have one loss and a team is sitting at home watching because they lost, because they didn't get the chance to play in the conference championship because they lost the week before, and you send the team that didn't play in the conference championship and you send them on, 
I think you're basically saying that the conference championships mean nothing. So why are we playing them? So I think I think Texas would be the play there. I'm at 45 minutes. It's crazy how how little time I go when it's just me on the show. I miss you, Justin, and I miss you, Landon, a lot. I got 15 minutes to kill. <clears throat> I'm going to talk about something that I want to talk about, and it's not football. It's not basketball. I'm just going to talk about what I want to talk about for once. Uh, how about Tiger Woods? He had a press conference today. Tiger Woods is going to be back. Uh, he's playing golf this weekend um, at the Hero World Challenge. Two years ago, three years ago, I believe it was two years ago, he was being pulled from the jaws of life in a car accident. Um, and he's playing golf. And not only is he playing golf, he had ankle fusion surgery six months ago. Uh, if you follow golf, he he played in the Open, or played in the Masters, and, and really struggled. Um, was very visibly limping. Everybody thought it was the end of his career. Had ankle surgery, couldn't walk for, for two months, couldn't do anything for two months. Six, that was six months ago. It was a long recovery. Comes out yesterday and says, yeah, I intend to play a tournament every month. What? The man's 47 years old was pulled from the jaws of life two or three years ago. I believe it was two years ago. And it's going to be playing 12 tournaments a month or 12 tournaments a year. Sign me the hell up. Sign me up. That's basically Tiger confirming that he's going to be playing in the Masters. He's going to be playing in the U.S. Open. He's going to be playing in the Open Championship. And he's going to be playing in the PGA Championship. Okay, those are four. He also said he wants to play in the Genesis Invitational. There's five, and he wants to play in the Players' Championship. There's six. Probably wouldn't be shocked to see him play in the Arnold Palmer Invitational because he loves the Arnold Palmer, everything about that, that tournament. Probably wouldn't be shocked to see him play in the FedEx Cup Playoffs as he's coming down. At least in the tour, he'll have the exemption to play there as a former winner. Tiger's back. That's going to be a, a topic of conversation that we have on this show. Every time that Tiger's playing, I'm going to talk about it. And I know Justin doesn't like golf, but guess what, man? This is Tiger Woods, okay? This is Tiger Woods. MLB is heating up. It is getting hot. The hot stove is cooking. Uh, Aaron Nola returned to the Philadelphia Phillies on a seven-year contract. Sonny Gray signed with the St. Louis Cardinals on a three-year contract. Both of those two guys getting contracts. Uh, I believe Sonny Gray's was $35 million a year, $30 million a year. Um Nola's was $35 million a year. Yeah, so I believe Sonny was, was in that range. Big names are still out there, though, pitching-wise. Yoshinobu Yamamoto, the sensation from Japan, from the KBO. Uh, he was posted this past week. 
if you're being posted as an international free agents free agent, that means you have 45 days to sign. If you do not sign in those 45 days, you go back to your KBO, Japan, wherever you're playing. KBO stands for Korean Baseball Organization. That is the big baseball organization in Asia. Yoshinobu Yamamoto was the premier pitcher in the World Baseball Classic this past March for Team Japan, who ended up winning. Uh, Team Japan, who you might remember, has Shohei Otani on that team, who is also a free agent this year. Uh, Yamamoto is being looked at by pretty much every team in the league, and experts out there are saying that he's going to have a contract upwards of $200 million, the highest contract for an international signing out of Japan. And Yamamoto's case was in 2014 when the Yankees of New York signed Masahiro Tanaka to, I believe, a $212 million contract. So the Yankees have done it before. You don't know? I'm a big Yankees fan. The Yankees have a need of starting pitching, and I think that signing Yamamoto is is a, is a very obvious uh, remedy to that need. So, of course, as a fan, I think that the Yankees will be getting Yamamoto. That being said, I, I think of it as a different perspective also. Because a lot of these experts are saying that that the Yankees are getting Yamamoto. Brian Cashman, the Yankees general manager, was in Japan this past season watching him pitch. Then a report came out today that the Yankees denied anybody last year of getting the number 18 because that's, that's the number that Yamamoto wore in Japan. They've had their eyes on this guy for a minute. I think it's going to come down to the Yankees and the New York Mets. It's going to come down to how Steinbrenner and Steve Cohen, both of those are the owners of the two teams respectively. I think the Yankees are going to outbid the Mets, something that a lot of fans don't think, something that a lot of Mets fans especially don't think. Call it a Yankees bias. I don't care. I think the Yankees are going to get Yamamoto. Other free agents, big-name free agents, Blake Snell, pretty good pitcher. Just won the Cy Young, no big deal. Um, my mind's blanking on who else. Uh, Sonny Gray's off the board. Aaron Nola's off the board. Blake Snell's there. Um, Marcus Stroman is there. He was a pitcher for the Cubs last year. He pitched very well. Um, but I think the big offseason – Hot stove, per se, is going to be trades. A lot of guys are available in trades. The winter meetings are actually going to be held in Nashville, Tennessee, the Gaylord Opryland Hotel, I believe, next week, December 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Um, if you're not, If you're unfamiliar, the winter meetings are when the general managers come together and have meetings. Typically, that's when your free agencies, free agent sign. That's when that really kicks up. That's when a lot of trades happen. Uh, that's when Aaron Judge signed last year. 
re-signed with the Yankees last year was during winter meetings. I'm going to try to go to a couple of them. I'm going to try to. Boots on the ground, you know what I mean? Uh, We'll see if I'll be able to get in. It's at the Opryland Hotel. We'll see. I mean, if I can get out there and get like a get a view of Brian Cashman, I'll tell him to sign Yamamoto and trade for Juan Soto. That's all I can say. <laughs> um, but that's just a little hint into what's going to happen, you know, after college football. We're not going to be talking about, you know, Kevin, what Kevin wants to talk about every week. Not most weeks. We are going to be having like a little discussion at the end. I, I, I teased it last week. I guess I'll dive into it a little bit more since we're at the end of this week's show. It's basically going to be, the setup's going to be, you know, we're going to talk about college basketball, okay? We're going to talk about the basketballs. Same thing that we kind of talked about this this year. Uh, any big games that Tennessee plays, we're going to talk about that. We're going to preview any big games that they have coming up this week. Any big national games, we're going to talk about those and preview those a little bit. Then we're going to have a discussion, a topic, something to talk about, the three of us. It can be MLB free agency. It can be your five favorite football balls of all time. It can be your five least favorite coaches in the SEC. It could be your five places that you want to go watch a game at. It could be your five best quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know. I have multiple notebooks full of full of ideas that we're going to talk about, that we're going to, you know, carry the the show going on through college football offseason. And then, of course, you know, once college football ramps back up in August, with it being as cold as it is today, I'm looking forward to the day that that comes. Um, but once college football runs back up in August, we'll be back to the show as normal. So, well, it's a long way from now. Just give us a shot. I think you guys are going to like the the format that we've got cooking up uh, coming for the college football off season and the you know the the basketball and, and baseball season because we also have Tony Vitello and the baseballs as well coming soon. So with that, this is going to be the shortest show we've ever done by me by myself. And they say I like to talk a lot. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but I do want to thank you once again for tuning in and dealing with uh, just me this evening. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this week's show. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And you can follow us on the social medias at Boozy Sports Pod. Big thanks to Joe for making me sound good this evening and making us sound good every week. Uh, and his JMU Dukes are going bowling. They became bowl eligible this past weekend. So JMU gets to go to a bowl game this year. That's, that's pretty cool uh, for them. For Justin and Landon, I do want to say thank you once again for listening to us. You guys enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your college football conference championship weekend, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Moonshine and Scoreboards. Moonshine and Scoreboards is a Tri-M production and is hosted by Kevin Scott, Landon Doan, and Justin Krutzinger. Our engineer is Joe the Engineer. If you like the show, 
please leave us a review on iTunes, Google Podcast, or anywhere you get your podcast. You can email us at moonshineandscoreboards at gmail.com. Subscribe, tell a friend, and come back next week for all of the fun, the games, the moonshine, and of course, the scoreboards. Scoreboards.